Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year. And we're in the book of Ezekiel right now. Um, Today is Ezekiel 16, chapter 16, 17, and 18. And Ezekiel is the prophet that is with the exiles in Babylon. So he's there to be an example for God to speak through him, to encourage the people, to um, help them see their, their, their ways. So he's got a big job and God is speaking through Ezekiel and poor thing. My goodness. Can you imagine God giving you a message that is terribly um, honest and strong and scary and you got to tell the people. You probably don't want to do it. Ezekiel didn't want to do it either, but um, when God gives you a word, you got to you got to do it. In chapter 16 and and these chapters are heavy. So God's going to speak in the funniest ways. Sometimes he uses, literally uses Ezekiel as, as an example. Sometimes he speaks directly a message through him. Sometimes um, it comes more in a vision. Many strange ways. So when you read it, don't read it like a, a direct story, but just allow your spirit to um, understand it. Okay, so chapter 16 is talking about Jerusalem making a correlation that Jerusalem is like an adulterous wife. I'm just going to read bits and pieces. It's a big chapter, so you're going to have to go back and read it on your own. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say this is what the the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw the kicking about you in your blood, and as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, Live, I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Puberty. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked. Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw you, you were old enough for love. I spread the corner of the, my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. So you see the, 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 the um, uh, what is it called? not symbolism, um, metaphor of Jerusalem growing into the great nation that it is and how God took took Jerusalem as his own and took care of her. And then the next part is, is again, a metaphor of he just blessed her and made her beautiful and, and she rose to be a great queen. But then... But you trusted in your beauty and you used your fame to become a prostitute. You lavished your favors on anyone who passed by and your beauty became his. Oh, you took some of your garments to make gaudy high places where you carried on your prostitution. You went to him and he possessed your beauty. So now again, sticking with that metaphor, when you read this, you can feel the heaviness Oftentimes, we don't understand a lesson when it's told to us directly, but when it's told through a story or a metaphor, 
we actually get it. It hits us in a different, different way. Woe, woe to you, declares Sovereign Lord. In addition to all your other wickedness, you built a mound for yourself and made a lofty shrine in every public square. I am moving down. Um, this is chapter 27. I gave you over to the greed of your enemies. Um, moving down to 31. You were unlike a prostitute because you scorned payment. Ooh. Ooh. Verse 30, I am filled with fury against you, declares the sovereign Lord. When you do all these things, acting like a brazen prostitute, when you build your mounds at every street corner and made your lofty shrines in every public square, you were unlike a prostitute because you scorned payment. So you are worse than a prostitute. <laughs> That's terrible. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And so no husband would tolerate that. And everybody can understand that. We can comprehend that. Because it's made in a story, a metaphor. I w moving down to 50, verse 59. I will deal with you as you deserve because you have despised my oath by breaking the covenant. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you in the days of your youth and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will, mem will remember your ways and be ashamed when you receive your sisters, both of those who are older than you and those that are younger. So he's also giving a clue that, yes, you will suffer the consequences of this horrible behavior and betrayal, but here's a ray of hope that I will restore the covenant I made with you in your youth or your, yeah, with you. Okay, 17, again, using a metaphor or story. It's about two eagles and a vine. Now this one, you have to read the whole chapter because it's piece by piece about these two eagles. So I'm actually, and what is he illustrating? Again, how Jerusalem betrayed God and they were, became rebellious people. So read the metaphor about the two eagles and the vine. Say this to, um, and then, at the very end, the king of Babylon went to Jerusalem and carried off her king and her nobles, bringing them back to him in Babylon. Then he took a member of the royal family and made a treaty with him, putting him under oath. So now the head officials of Jerusalem are making deals with the king of Babylon against the people. He also carried away the leading men of the land so that the kingdom would be brought low, unable to rise again, surviving only by keeping his treaty but the king rebelled against him, the Israelite who made the deal, by sending his envoys to Egypt to get horses and large army. Will he succeed? Will he who does such things escape? Will he break the treaty and yet escape? As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, he shall die in Babylon in the land of the king. Now, chapter 7, 18, so we're at the very last chapter. Again, you'll have to read chapter 17. It's a long one. And chapter 18 is also a long one. There is approximately 32 verses. That's long. So, this particular one describes... Okay, so we often think, oh my goodness, 
how are we going to avoid this death and this consequences? How are we supposed to live as good people? Can you imagine Ezekiel's telling these people, they've grown up like this in this culture. They've always done it this way. They forgot what God said. The true word is not being read to them. The true ways are not being taught to them. So they forgot. So, The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me. The parents as well as the child, both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Suppose there is a righteous man who does what is right. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or look at the idols of Israel. He does not defile his neighbor's wife or have sexual relations with a woman during her period. He does not oppress anyone, but returns what he took in pledge for a loan. He does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry He and provides clothing for the naked. He does not lend to them at interest or take a profit from them. He withholds his hand from doing wrong and judges fairly between two parties. He follows my decrees and faithfully keeps my laws. The man is righteous. He will surely live. Okay, so before we describe or continue this example, just read this and go, oh, that's what it takes to be a righteous man who lives. Now we continue with this example by saying, but what if this man, well, let me just read it. Suppose he has a violent son who sheds blood or does any of these other things although the father has not done any of them. Okay, it describes what this, the son who does wrong, and he describes what he does. Will such a man live? He will not. Because he has done all these detestable things, he is put to death. His blood will be on his own head. Okay, but suppose the son has a son who sees all the sins his father commits, and though he sees them, he does not do the things. So he's a good guy. What will happen then? He will not die for his father's sins. He will surely live. But his father will die for his own sins because he has practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was wrong among his people. Yet you ask, why does the... Okay, so in the old laws, or the way they did it is, yes, the children suffered the sins of the parents, which we do know... That still can happen because there are curses that are passed down from generation to generation. But the choice of sin, each person is responsible and will face God himself based on the sins one committed. (laughs) The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteous of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. But if a wicked person turns away from all their sins they have committed and keep all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person person will surely live. They will not die. None of the offenses they have committed will be remembered against them. Because of the righteous things they have done, they will live. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Rather, I am not pleased when they turn from their ways and live. Okay, so they will live by turning away from their their sins. 
God's not pleased with the consequences of their sins. So let's say they did very bad things and there's consequences. People hurt and suffered. You know, when they were doing wicked, they hurt people. And those people are probably still hurting. But when they repent, they will live. And they turn away from their wicked ways and they repent, turn to God, they will live. But God's still not pleased with the people that they hurt because those people still suffer and therefore God suffers for them. But if righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things the wicked person does, will they live? Nope. All the good things that they had done will also not be remembered. So in the end of their life, if they commit the sin, they'll suffer the consequences of that sin, even though they spent a lot of their life in good deeds. <laughs> so one would said that, then why not just do bad things and just before you die, give your life to God? Well, first of all, you can't time it. Second of all, then you would live a terrible life and you still have to deal with the consequences of your actions in this lifetime. But God will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. <laughs> Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. Repent and live. Oh my gosh, that's the most powerful part right there. Repent and you will live, and God does not take pleasure in the death of anyone. Remember that part as we go through the book of Ezekiel? Because God's going to go into great detail how they will suffer the consequences of their sin. But remember, God does not take pleasure in the death of anyone. He wants everyone to rid yourselves of the offenses you have committed, the people you've hurted, the people you've hurt, the things you've done, the sins you've committed, Repent and get a new heart and a new spirit. That's so good. That's the most powerful part of all. That was the end of chapter 18. So my friends, that was chapter 16, 17, and 18 of the book Ezekiel. Now remember, Ezekiel is a heavy book, just like, you know, Jeremiah and Isaiah. Those are prophets and God speaks through them. It's not their message. It's not Ezekiel's message. It's God's message through him, and he's just being obedient. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. Please go back and read. These are big chapters, and there's so much to unpack in each chapter. Have a great day. I'll see you, I will see you soon.